Reach and Ignite series. I want to thank you for coming today. Um, today, we're going to talk about I Should Have Died. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about you. But has there come a, a time, and if somebody could give me a mic, I want to get a, a little one-sense testimony. Is there a point in your life where you should have died? Kendra, you mind fine? One sentence. Is there a point where you should have died? Yes. Is the, is the mic on? My, my sound up? Okay. And, and what happened? Um, I'm kind of running through everything. Um, I can't come up with anything right now. Okay. Is there anybody else? Sister, Sister Daniels, let me come around, Sister Daniels. I get that sound up just a little more for me. Sister Daniels, was there a time when you should have died? Quite a few times. And what was that time? When I thought it was a hot mama in them streets. Mm. I love Sister Daniels. I love Sister Daniels. <laughs> Sister Daniels is most real, most real. Thank you, Sister Daniels. Now I'm here. I hear it now. I hear it. That's, that's good. That's good sound. That's what I love. Sister Velma, is there a time you should have died? Hold up, my son. Yes, when I was on drugs. All right. All right. And should have died means there must have been a breakthrough. Uncle Mose, was there a time you should have died? Yes, I'm like Sister Daniel many, many times, mm -hmm. but... Uh, but you want a hot mom. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I did suffer appendicitis, mm -hmm. had quite a few accidents, mm -hmm. and been in some bad many, many times. Mm. So, so we all can, can come to a realization that we should have died. And we come to hear... And in Acts, if you can turn to your Bible to Acts 28, if you don't have a Bible, the scripture's going to come up, Acts 28, 1 through 6. There are times that we have come to a point where if we're going to be real with ourselves, we should have died. In my situation, I was driving uh, back to school, coming from D.C., coming back to, uh, to Liberty University in Virginia, and if you know Texas, Texas don't have snow. Virginia has some snow. And for me, it was my first time really driving on snow. Texas snow and everybody else's snow ain't the same snow. We got a little ice, and we know what that is. But snow, snow is not ice. So you think, oh, I can walk on this. I'm not slipping. I should be able to drive on this. So we're driving. Had dropped a friend off in D.C. My other friend and I would come back to school. I dropped them off at their apartment that I'm coming back to the university. And what happened that day, and it was my, my first vehicle, what I call Samson, my little four-white pickup truck, uh, and we're driving. And if my mama knew I was driving that day, she probably would have killed me. Killed. And I ain't killed, but killed. Uh, and, and so driving, and, and if you know anything about Virginia, there's a part in Virginia where there's a lot of hills. A lot of hills. We have hills, you got cliffs. And so we're driving, and this particular friend lived in an apartment complex 
that you had to kind of go around the bend a little bit that had a little cliff. Now, it's snow. My really first time driving on snow. Take it. Now, took the turn a little too quick. And that car went, uh, uh. And all I knew I did was, Jesus, help me. My friends thought I was playing. And I'm like, Jesus, help me. And we went off that road up in to the grass area, and all I saw was the cliff is right there, and that, start, that car stopped right there. And because I was like, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me. Oh, Lord, I need your help. And the car just stopped. Now, and I just stood there for a second, and there was another man looking at our predicament. My friends thought we were playing until we got to the, oh, thank you, Lord. Because, see, sometimes we call on the Lord, well, you better thank the Lord when he delivered. And he delivered. So we had to push the car out. And when I look back, because you got to push the car out from the cliff. When I look back, I saw how deep and how close I was to the edge. Some of us should be dead, but God has let us look over the cliff to see how close we were to able to walk it back. Now, for us, we all got situations. We have these situations. When you get in Acts 28, 1, and, and if I, Shannon, are you in your word? Okay, I'm going to give you a chance to go look that up, Shannon. Acts 28, 1. And we're there, and the first point that we need to know, we got a situation. We have situations in our life that we're struggling with. We have a situation. Now, when we're in these situations, it says in verse for Paul, and let me give you a little background, Paul. So Paul has, has asked to be to go to trial in Rome. So they got to travel to Rome. And so on his way, he told them, we might not need to travel in this month because there will be a storm and it will rage. The people said, we got to get you to Rome. I don't care what you guys say, we have to get to Rome. And so they are traveling and the Lord had told them, you're going to go through but you will, and all these 257 people will be protected. There's going to be some situations in our life that you're going to have to go through, but God himself has told you, I still have a head of protection around you. You're going to go through a midnight crisis, but I still will make you whole on the other side. So we have Paul, and Paul has come to a point where they have shipwrecks. They have tried to get to this island, because it's, the, it's been storming for at least 14 days. The boat is about to capsize, it's about to sink, Titanic style. It's about to go down. And they have finally got to this island, or close to it, to Malta. But they crash on the, uh, the uh, rocks. So the boat is destroyed, but all 257 men are safe. Men that were not Christian, men that were probably struggling in their life, but they have a testimony of God's great deliverance. Because Paul said, I'm going to be obedient to what God's word says. So they get to this island of Malta. This is where you can find the Maltese falcon and things of that nature. They get to the island of Malta and it says, now when they had escaped, they found out that the island was called Malta. The natives showed us unusual kindness, which natives means that they didn't speak Latin or Greek. They were a native of their own island. And many times when you come to certain places, just like you don't know somebody, everybody going to treat you right. Am I right? 
So they showed unusual kindness because they didn't have to show them anything. But it was unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because it was cold. We were in the month of November, and I don't know about you, but we were all up in the Trinity. Which, first of all, that'd be nasty. But we were in the Trinity, and we try to walk around. It's going to be cold. Now, I think we were in Michigan or some other kind of place. It's going to be even more cold. So someone said, you know what? I'm going to show you kindness. I'm going to make a fire for you. So it was unusual kindness. So they were in a situation. They were in a situation. Have you been in a situation? Have you been in a situation where you don't know anybody there? But God has come before you and the folks have shown you unusual kindness. You've been in situations, some of us have been in college, some of us have been uh, at, at the club, some of us have been in the streets, and for some reason, there's been some unusual kindness given to us. Some of us, where the car is breaking down, and we on the side of the road, I know for a fact, I remember we were coming one time, my dad was in the Gulf War. So my mom and my sister and myself, we were traveling at night. The car broke down, broke down on Stimmons, am I right? On Stimmons Freeway. Broke down, am I right? Oh, just got out, just, and broke down. And there was no cell phone. We got blessings today. We got cell phones. We got, you can contact anybody you want to today. But back then, that one says 1990-something, the best thing you had was a beeper. Now I don't know about you, but beeper didn't get you too much. Because you can't beep enough people. So we out on there, and my mama prayed. Now I want to tell you something. I know this woman. She's a prayer warrior. My mama prayed. Because it was cold that night. Her husband was off to war. She had nobody to call, and she gets out this car. She's got to take two little kids, a, 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 a nine-year-old or so, and a four-year-old, and walk off the freeway to a gas station. Now, that's down, and it's about 9 o'clock at night. Close to 1 o'clock. We're talking about 1 o'clock in the morning. Close to 1. And, and, and if it's 1 o'clock in the morning, you trying to walk with some kids. That, that already sounds too much. But she, she's saying, I'm not going to walk, Lord. I'm going to pray. She prayed on that steering wheel, and that car had stopped for at least 10 minutes, am I right? Had stopped. You can't call Saudi Arabia right now. And if she could call Saudi Arabia, what he going to be able to do? He can't come over off the boat and try, okay, we, by that time it will be another week before you can come back. You have no one else to call. She called on the Lord. She didn't stress. She didn't say, I'm allowed. She said, let me get in prayer. Because she kept trying to start it, kept trying to start it, would not turn over. She said, let me pray. And she prayed, and then she said, kid, let's pray. Now, I want to tell you, testimonies happen when you're in the midst of your midnight hour, and you're praying, and then you tell your children, pray. Because so your children will remember that. Pray. I didn't hear about crying. I didn't hear about woe is me. I heard pray. Pray. We finished and said, in Jesus' name we pray, man. She turned that car. That car was gone. Humming nicely. It was cold that, that, uh, that night. It was cold. We were in a situation. And she called on the Lord. Paul was in a 
situation and he had been obedient to the Lord. He had called on the Lord and the Lord said, this is what I'm going to do. The thing that we got to do, we got to trust the Lord. When she turned that car on, she trusted that the Lord was going to turn that engine over so that car could start up. Now, if I told you she didn't have too much money for some gas, she didn't have money or, or, or time to, to get her kids to the gas station, but she had time and enough wisdom, I need to call on the Lord. When we in a situation, let, now we got the cell phone, we want to call everybody. The first thing we need to do is pray to the Lord. And if anything, you got somebody with you, I want you to pray in agreement. And I'm going to tell you that night, I believe that the Lord was going to turn that engine over. I don't know why I believed it. I was only nine, but I knew the Lord was going to deliver. And that's a testimony that your children and your family can take on for generations. I know what the Lord can do because I've seen them in the blinkers of time. That's why when I'm on that cliff in Virginia, I didn't say, whoa, we better get some help. Oh, no, what's happening? I said, Lord Jesus, help me. And then I said, when it was done, thank you, Lord. Because I knew about his will because I've seen it before. That's how we handle situations. So you see, they made a little fire for him coming off that boat that was shipwrecked. Boat's gone. They're not in Rome. But they were welcome. So when we get out of a situation, and sometimes in your situation, you got vipers. What's a viper? Viper is a snake. What is a snake? A snake is something that's poisonous. What's poison? Something that can kill you. Whoa. I went from a viper to a snake to the poison that can kill you. And, and depending on what type of snake, them little garden snakes, we like, ooh. You know, that's, that's, you know in Dallas, my, my mom don't like no snakes. But them real snakes, them rattlesnakes, you know, that's the stuff we all jump back. Oh, that's a little too much. That look too much. We might pick up a garden snake, like look at this, and think that's no joke. But when you got a viper, a viper is a big bad snake. And when you got that big bad snake, that big bad snake come with poison that will kill you. Not should or, or maybe it should and will kill you. So many times in our situation, and, and I should have died, we have been in a viper situation. Now, now let's read this uh, verse 3. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw it, the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice is not allowed to live. You see, when we get to verse 3, Paul was not doing anything wrong, was he? They had given him an unusual welcome. So what did Paul say? I'm going to go and help out. I'm going to go and get some sticks. Many of us think bad situations happen to us because we've done some bad things. Sometimes the situation just happening to you because you're there. You've been helping out. You know, when, and, and, and not to mention Charnel, but when Charnel got ripped from DISD, what did you do wrong? You took the job. You didn't manage the money. But the people who manage the money messed up the money. None of them in jail, by the way. But they messed up the money. Government money. 
So she had to live on a promise that the Lord was still going to provide her a job in the middle of the school year. Remember, DIZ had let about 250 teachers go in the middle of a school year. In the middle of a school year. And so got hired on with Fort Worth. Had to go far away from where she originally was. But God still had a provision. And so we get in these situations and we get these vipers kind of situations and we see Paul didn't do anything wrong. Paul didn't do anything wrong. He was trying to help. But you see, the viper had got a little excited because he saw some things were going on. See, meantime, when y'all ain't doing nothing, ain't nothing happening, right? It's when you start really getting your heart for the Lord, that's when all the vipers want to get it ready. That's when all the snakes want to get ready. When you weren't doing nothing and chilling, it's just like people at your work. You see the person at your job who don't do anything, but you who doing something, you get all the criticism. And the Lord is saying, because I'm trying to prepare you for something even better than this. But I am the one giving you the strength. Yes, that person that's laying by the side doing nothing, they don't care. The vipers don't care. You know why? Because they already won the battle. Because they want you to be inactive, to be passive. But God wants us to be active. And when we're in that moment of controversy, when we're in that arena, we got to understand there's going to be some vipers coming to attack us. Now look at this. Look at this. He said, look, you... You're going to be discouraged. You're going to be discouraged. Why am I going through this? Why am I going through this? Why is the viper getting my hand? It's, a, it's, it's at least 257 other men here and natives. Why, Lord, my hand got to get with the viper's uh, uh, teeth? Why does the poison have to come through my body? But does Paul say that? Does Paul, do you see anywhere Paul says, why me, Lord, why oh me? Well, have we all been in that situation? We've been in a situation, I've been in a situation where we say, Lord, why me? But with Paul, how Paul reacts to this is, this is how he supposed to react. Not the why of me, but get ready for your testimony. Because, see, the, we, when we get the why of me, we want, then we want to find sympathy. Can you have sympathy for me? Can somebody help me? It's, it's on my hand. Please, somebody help me. Is there a doctor? And remember, the person who's writing this book is Acts. And in the book of Acts is Luke. Luke is a doctor. Luke is the one writing this. Luke is the one seeing all this. He can say, Luke, Luke, I got a viper on my hand. Doctor, come on, help me. You don't mention Luke's name that mention at all. Meantime, we want to go to people who got the experience. Instead, he still is walking in the walk of the Lord. He's not worried about what the other situation and what other people are talking about. So we have to shake off that viper of discouragement. We also got to shake off that viper of criticism. Look what they said. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt, no doubt, this man is a murderer. Whoa, brother. Why well, I got to be the worst of the worst? No doubt, you a killer. You may have escaped the sea, yet justice, that means no doubt what's happening to you should happen to you does not allow you to live. Now, meantime, we will get persuaded by what other folks God say, but I'm going to tell you what my Jesus says. I have a plan and purpose for you. Now, if God wants the viper to hang on that arm, on that hand, he had a purpose for it. I was told many years ago, God does not put his children through something for nothing. He puts his children through something for a purpose.
It may not be a purpose solely for you. Just in this situation, it may be a purpose so others can see my glory and power. And so we have to shake off that, 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 that discouragement. We have to shake off that criticism because we got to know what we've been doing in the Lord. Many of us will say, we want to go and defend ourselves. I'm not no murderer. Well, you still got the viper on your hand. Don't worry about what other folks are saying. Worry about what the Lord is wanting you to walk in. Worry about that testimony that the Lord wants you to bring forth. Don't worry about what other people are saying because, see, then we get unfocused. It's a viper still on my hand. See, all this being said, he still has a viper on his hand. We get so distracted. The poison is coming through our body. We're going through the pain, but we want to talk to these folks. Hold up. You don't know about me. And the Lord's saying, you know what? Stop being distracted. Stop being distracted. Stay on my purpose. And so we have to understand that we sometimes going to have to shake our family off. Sometimes the vipers are in our own family. Sometimes the vipers can be your own, your own children. Sometimes the viper can be your own wife and husband. Sometimes the viper can be at your job. Sometimes you're going to have to shake your job off. You're going to have to shake that mess that your boss been coming and coming. You're going to have to shake that off. You're going to have to sometimes shake your mind. You got your mind set on all these things that are coming to destroy you. You're going to have to shake that mess off of you. You're going to have to sometimes shake your finances up. Sometimes we say, well, I can't give to the Lord right now. I got to do this. I got this bill. And the Lord's saying, give me your first tenth. Give me your first. Don't let me be your last. Let me be your first. And let me then show you how I can bless you. Sometimes we got to shake our mindset because we have a mindset that's focused on what the world has said. And God is saying this. I'm saying this. I'm promising this. You trust me. I know your salary ain't what it should be, but trust me. I know you're not living where you should be, but trust me. I know you're not. I know you're not what you think you should be, but trust me. I know you think you your health should be better. But trust me, I know you think your marriage should be better, but trust me, because when you start shaking in the Lord's word, the praise starts moving up. If the, if the Lord said, if you don't praise, I'll make rocks praise, you better get in the praise business and get ready to shake for the Lord. So we get in that, in that, in that, in, in that area. So, so you got some vipers. You got some vipers. So we went through the situation. We got the vipers. Then we get this grace. We get this grace. And where it says, but he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they, talking about the, the, the natives and probably talking about them other men that were on the boat, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they looked for a long time, because he first got look at you, a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. Look at that lower G. You see, we have been given grace. We have been given grace. Think about the grace you have. And, and, and I want us to kind of look back at that, at that song, Amazing Grace, for one second. You know, the person that wrote Amazing Grace, everybody in this room, before he wrote that song, before he became pastor, he was a slave trader. He, would, he probably traded some of our relatives, at least. He was a slave trader. Some of us, we have no forgiveness for anybody. 
But that's why I always say, let the Lord redeem and watch how he shows out. He took this man that his mama had taught him about the word in the Bible, and she died at 17, but she had laid seeds. And so he had came to a point where he went through a terrible storm one night uh, on a boat on the Atlantic, and he was afraid it was going to capsize. And that's when he started to pray. He started to pray, he started to pray. But the thing that he did, he said, Lord, if you will, stop the storm. I know I'm going to accept your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I want to turn my life around. He stopped that storm. Now, it would be wonderful on that day he stopped slave trading, but he did not. He still, except Jesus Christ, was a slave trader. He later on became a pastor. And it was during that time he wrote a pamphlet confessing his sins, confessing that slavery was wrong, confessing that uh, what he had done was wrong. And so this is when you get these words. Now, I just want to, before we get to the words, I want you to understand. When you accept Jesus Christ as your pro Savior, for some of us, we like Paul. Boom! I'm in a whole different category. Some of us like Peter. We are processed. We are work in process. Does not mean my salvation is different than your salvation. Some of us accepted Jesus Christ, and we've been doing some jacked up stuff. And the Lord is working through us, through the process. But many of us think that our salvation is to be instant quick. I don't know about you, but I love uh, oven cooked food. I love slow cooker. I love smoked chicken. Smoked chicken takes a good day. Bacon takes how much, uh, Alexia? Bacon don't take an hour. Sometimes it's going to take some time. Am I right, Alexia? But when you have some cooked food, some slow chicken, some slow cooker versus microwave, oh, Lord. You're in a whole different ball game. It, it, for you men, you come across a, a woman that only can cook for that microwave, you might want to think about some things. Because microwave cooking versus oven cooking shows a personality. Now, why are you bringing this up? Because, see, some of us want this fast Christianity. We want this fast, you said Jesus Christ, I want everything to change right now. You have no patience for the Lord, the Lord will give you some patience. If you that oven cooking, slow crock pocking, slow chicken cooking person, where you want that thing to stew all day long, you got some patience. Where you just want to take a little sip to see how the progress is going, you're going to take a little look, mm, it's looking good. Some of our Christianity needs to look like that. When we take a sip, can people take a sip of my life and say, mm, I didn't take the whole bowl but it's coming out good. We got to be patient with the Lord because the Lord is working us through a process. I could look and say, y'all all better know John 3, 16, and all your words, da, 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 da. Do you not understand how crazy that sounds? But we, we put that on ourselves. We put that on our God. God is working us through a process. And so for this person, John Newton, he said, amazing grace Oh, sweet to the sound, that saved a wretch like me. The sound of chains falling down off my hands because I was a wretched man. When was the last time you said, I'm a wretch? I was a wretched person when Christ saw me. Some of us think we too good. I went to the good job. I went to the good school. I know 
this person. And God's saying, I don't care if you Obama to Pookie on the corner. Both of y'all are a wretched man. We got to get to that point. He said, oh, wretched man. He said, a wretch like me. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. You see, when you come through a grace, you got to let other folks see. Because, see, your grace is going to help shine the light for other folks. When Paul went through, he shook the creature off in the fire. He suffered no harm. But, see, the testimony wasn't for him. It was for the other folks who had not even known about Christ, who had not known about the testimony. Now Paul can really start preaching. You see, sometimes you got to have that, that, that forebearer, that, that path driver, that blazing a path before you kind of God, that lets your testimony be known so there you can come in and start ministering. So Paul could have came on there and sat in the fire like, do you know Jesus? Jesus is good. He changed my life. I don't know about you. He might change yours. I think he will. Come on. Can we pray together? You can have that kind of testimony. And sometimes that's a good place. But sometimes when nobody knows, when you're in an unchurched area, when you're dealing with some stuff that's strong in the area, you're going to have some vipers fall off in the fire so that the Lord can say, my Lord, I'm about to blaze a path right here so you can have a testimony. Oh, that's that man with the viper fell off. That's that man that overcame drugs. That's that man that got out of prison and now he got this job. That's that man that's with his wife, that's with his children. That's a father. That's that man. And now he can come in and he can preach to others. Now he can tell other folks because now you are a testimony. You are blaze. You are beacon in the dark night. You somebody because of what God just did through you. He allowed you to have the viper on you. He allowed the poison to try to get through your body. But no harm came through you because God said, I'm going to make you a testimony. You should be dead, but you were alive. You were lost, but I found you. You were blind, but I gave you sight. I'm that type of God. So, So that grace that grace. I went to a situation. I had the vipers on me, but God gave me grace. What is grace? Grace is something I don't deserve. I've done so much, but I don't deserve it. So, like John Noon said, I was blind, but now I can see. We got to come to a point, lastly, where we got to start praising the Lord for what he's done for us. They're bringing us through the situations by taking the vipers off of us, and lastly, by giving us the grace. We got to start praising the Lord. We get so beside ourselves that we don't understand that we got to praise the Lord for our destiny. We got to praise the Lord for our children. We got to even praise the Lord for our situation. Because you understand, you may not understand why you're going through it, and God's not asking you to understand. God is simply asking you to trust them. God is not asking you to have full knowledge of why and who and when and where. He's saying, trust me. He's like a person driving a car around. Don't ask where we're going. Trust me, I'm going to take you to a good place. Trust me, I'm going to take you to a place that's going to benefit you. Trust me that I got enough gas in the tank to get us there. And I don't know about you, but my God is not as big as this podium. My God is not as big as this building. My God is not as big as this earth. My God created this universe. I'm going to go to a creator and say the creation. I'm going to go to someone who made something and says he made things. I need a God that loves me. I need a God that does not slumber or sleep. I may be struggling in my finances, but I have a God that says, I'm 
renew your strength. I may be going through the fire of hell, but I can be like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. I had no senses on me. And the bonds that strong on me down are falling off. And the world looking like, woo! I thought I put three in there, but there's four coming now. And that's Jesus with me all day long. So I don't know about you, but I know about a God that says, I have a 2,000 year plan for him. Even though Adam messed up, I will send my Jesus to make it right. I am a mess, but God said I make a miracle. I don't know about you, but I should have been dead. But God says, through grace, through his love, I am alive. I am alive. Somebody today should say, I am alive. Amen. Amen.